If you tell me that 3% long bonds will prevail over the next 30 years, stocks are incredibly cheap. If I, if I had a choice today for a 10-year purchase of a 10-year bond at whatever it is, or 10 years, or, or buying the S&P 500 and holding it for 10 years, I, I'd buy the S&P in a second. Interesting. From one of the world's greatest investors, Warren Buffett. We, uh, we have talked a lot over the years how um, financial reporting might be the stupidest reporting that ever happens in the media. Yep. The things that they report on, anybody who needs to know already knows and knows a lot more than that. And if you don't, you don't need to know what they just said. Right. So I remember <laughs> when we first started, we first started, there was a, we did hourly or half hourly market reports. And we told the boss we just didn't think we needed to do that. And he said, well, look, everybody's invested in the stock market now, which is true. Mm-hmm. But almost nobody is trading on an hourly basis. Right. And right. I mean, like close to zero. Mm-hmm. And again, as Joe said, if you are the sort of person that's trading on an hourly or even daily basis, most people don't even trade on a weekly basis. You're getting your information from someplace other than, hold on, shh. Quiet down, honey. They're about to tell me on the radio what the stock market's doing. Right. Exactly. In general. Yeah. Uh, Well, this is going to be fun. I hope. I certainly expect it will be. Jason Moser is a senior analyst for The Motley Fool. Many of you are familiar with The Motley Fool uh, through the years. Absolutely terrific, regular person-oriented look at stocks and markets and and trying to understand what's going on. Jason, uh, welcome. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. How about you? Oh, just just fine. Thank you. Any comment on what we just said? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you you really uh, put it in a nutshell there. Our biggest challenge here on an ongoing basis at the Motley Fool, because I mean, I'd, I'd say we certainly qualify as uh, financial media, but we are very much, you know, we we certainly push back on that day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute financial reporting as if it is something that really matters. I, I, I just I find it hilarious because you, you hear it reported and it's always the tone of voice from the 25 year old news reporter. Over <laughs> yeah. And the stock market's down 15 at the hour. Well, who's that yeah. for? <laughs> well, it's for them, really. I think it's for them and their business models, because essentially those those reporters, those media companies are very much supported by advertising dollars. And so they're doing whatever they can to make it sound as sensational as possible because they need to keep eyes glued to the TV so they can have advertising partners to support sure. their business. Right. So you can see the problem there. Yeah, my favorite example is when the uh, the, the news at uh, reporter, or the little anchor ad or the, the square jawed anchor report said, and the Dow Jones, uh, and that's the wrong one to follow anyway, but uh, the, the S&P down 40 points. And then if you actually follow the market, you realize it was down like 400 and rallied. And, and it was just down four points, which indicates something wildly different than just down four points. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is you can witness tremendous volatility day to day. But really, you know, what we... What we teach, what we preach here at The Motley Fool is taking that longer-term view. And, I mean, I'm not talking about longer-term in the sense of a quarter or even a year. I mean, we're we're business-focused investors, and in, in the businesses that we invest in, the ones that we recommend to our members and our subscribers here, those are businesses that we, we want to be able to own for three years, five years, even indefinitely if possible. So, you know, you played a really good clip there at the beginning of the segment here with Warren Buffett, and, and he certainly is uh, one of our – uh, North Stars, if you will, here. I mean, we look to him and that philosophy and a lot of what we do because the, the, the math bears it out, the facts bear it out. Over time, long-term buy-to-hold investing does work. It's just you have to be patient. And most people 
don't want to be patient. They want to get rich quick, and unfortunately, that's just not how it works. It's a good way to get poor quick. Oh, and uh, yeah, on that yeah. topic, our, our producer and friend, Positive Sean, is desperate to ask you for a stock tip. Before we're done, we'll let you ask one question, Sean. <laughs> yes. Settle down. I'm going to give you guys more than one. How about that? Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm going to get rich today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason Moser, senior analyst for The Motley Fool, is on the line. So, Jason, you mentioned the volatility of the markets, and it is rather uh, disturbing uh, these days. Mm-hmm. It's super volatile volatility. What's going on? Well, I mean, you, you know, we, we live in an era now where information travels at the speed of light. And I mean, 20 years ago, it just wasn't that way. I mean, I, when we were all growing up, I mean, really, the newspaper was where people got their stock quotes. They got them once a day at the end of the day when they got home from work or, or in the morning the next day. Uh, so it just inherently bred less volatility. There was less action, less volume. Uh, Whereas today, I mean, social media, Twitter, for example, I mean, things move at the speed of light. And this information certainly plays into how uh, some with a trading mentality are going to try to invest. And so you have uh, have a mentality out there where, where people believe that they can day trade and make a living doing it. Uh, you know, we we would certainly push back on that just because, number one, sustainably, it's very difficult to make those types of calls on a day-to-day and hour-to-hour basis. Uh, but, but two, also the frictional costs involved, and really it's the tax situation, right? Short-term capital gains taxes are just brutal. So it's really difficult to make money in that regard. But we think the volatility typically comes from just this information that flows so quickly. And certainly Washington, D.C. is is a place today where things aren't really terribly certain, right? I mean, it seems like every day it's a new crisis in some way, shape, or form. And as you have that uncertainty, and that uncertainty travels at the speed of light, it breeds volatility. But the the good thing for investors, we think that it's an opportunity to take advantage of, of some of that volatility. If we find the businesses that we love at prices that we really like, then it's a good opportunity to buy shares of those businesses with the intention of holding on to them for a while. That's how you that's how you separate yourself from the market and beat the market over long periods of time. You know, I know Jack has a question, but I have to observe that a lot of the super overheated uh, reporting that the media does, which you're talking about making, you know, the volatility situation worse or better, depending on your point of view, it's just it's a desperation to hold on to eyes and ears. So they make every bump in the road seem like some sort of horrifying crisis and the market goes down and bounces up again. Everything, especially if you can blame a particular politician for it going down. Right. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, how often should just an average person check their portfolio, which seems like a fancy word to me, just my, my 401k mm-hmm. or whatever? How often should I even check it? Well, that's a great question because I think most people in this country today, we think most people when it comes to investing, probably the best vessel for them would be a 401k or some type of retirement account. And the idea is that you're kind of setting it and forgetting it. You know, you just you have a portion of your paycheck that goes into that 401k or that retirement account every pay period. And it's something that takes advantage of, of conditions when the market's up, when the market's down. It's called dollar cost averaging. And over time... Sean says he's checked seven times well. during this interview. Is that too often? <laughs> seven times is too many. Too many times. I, I think it's reasonable to say, hey, check on it maybe twice a year, maybe four times a year. Understand twice to four times a year. Understand where you stand. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no reason... The more you check it, the more, the more you're apt to do something. And really... Typically, the best action is inaction. So Please. we recommend for people to not really get in there and you're check You're talking my language. Briefly, <laughs> now you're in my wheelhouse. Generally speaking, understand, generally speaking, where your money is, what you own, 
but that doesn't require more than four times a year checking right. that. I, I, I remember run up to 2008 when I knew so many people that considered themselves financial geniuses. Oh, yeah. Everything you did <laughs> turned into, you know, buying houses oh, or whatever it was. Yeah. And everybody was oh, checking yeah. it practically daily, and I, I, I knew more than one person who had, like, a, a picture in their cubicle of their retirement home they were going to, they were soon to retire to. But anyway, when it all crashed and it went away, everybody stopped checking all the time. It wasn't near as fun. Right, but we right. don't need to check that off, and that's right. good to hear. Yeah, that's Jason Moser is a yeah. senior analyst uh, for The Motley Fool. I, I myself gamble heavily on horse uh, races with Bitcoin, but <laughs> Jason <laughs> is pitching the whole buy and sell, <laughs> buy and hold <laughs> yeah, thing. Hey, uh, go ahead, Positive Sean. You got a question for the the fabulous Jason Moser? Yeah, so uh, one of the more uh, significant holdings in the the PSP, that's the Positive Sean portfolio, is (laughs) Activision Blizzard. But uh, they have not done too well since I first uh, acquired them uh, late September, down about 30-plus percent. Oh, uh, and uh, And I'm curious, one of the things that I do like about them is they have a good stable of intellectual property going forward, which I think plays well into how media is going. But do you like them as a should, should I should I take my losses reinvest that into other better performing things in the PSB or do I take the the typical Motley Fool just hold it and ride it out approach? Well, you, you're talking about a company there in Activision Blizzard that has been a recommendation in our services here at the Motley Fool for many many years. What do they do for those those of us who don't know? What is that? Alpaca Farms or Activision Blizzard is a video game company. Essentially, okay. they're best known for their two main franchises, Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. And these are these are franchises that have done tremendously well over 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 long periods of time. And they also bought Candy Crush a little while back. If you guys remember that mobile game that took the world by storm, oh, yes. um, Candy Crush was was one that they bought. Um, I think with King Digital Media, but but. Activision Blizzard is a company that's done very well for a long period of time, and one of the main reasons they have done so well is because it's been a big player in the space, really the market leader in the space, the company with the most money, able to hire the most talent, open the most studios to, to really you know, publish more video games. What we're seeing today is uh, things like Fortnite and, and whatever else that comes out that captures uh, you know, the country, the world's imagination, their Pokemon Go or whatever it is. That's certainly pushing back on that Activision Blizzard model a little bit. But you mentioned that you, you bought it in September. So it sounds like you've only owned the stock for maybe four or five months, I think, at the most. Correct. Uh, what I would recommend is to hang on to those shares. I mean, it's a business that right now is caught in a little bit of a a little bit of a vortex, so to speak, with the video game industry, as we're seeing EA Sports, Take-Two, Activision Blizzard, all companies that are seeing a little bit of a challenge from those other games like Fortnite and whatnot. But you got to remember, these video game companies are really entertainment companies at the end of the day. They're competing for people's eyeballs. But there is okay, a I, tremendous I, population of gamers out there. I think Activision Blizzard is going to have many better days ahead. I'd uh, hang on to those shit. I think that answers that. Did Michael have a question? Is that what you said, Hanson? Yeah, one, one, well, I was just going to ask, any chance that Sears makes a comeback? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope yeah, not. Jason, we keep, we keep trying to kill off Sears. It's got to end it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's over. so many people that are connected with this, but it's just got to end at some point, right? Does the world really need no. Sears at this point? No. I think we can answer that with a resounding no. No, it's just nostalgia, and nostalgia used to be yeah. so much better than it is these days. It's unfortunate, but technology has changed so many things. Jason Moser, senior analyst for The Motley Fool. Jason, I'm a married man. I'm not coming on to you. You're uh, delightful to talk to. Uh, really enjoyed the chat. I hope we can do it again soon. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jason. I liked that a lot. I think we should do that semi-regularly. 
he'll never come on again. Maybe branch out a little. I could hear it in his voice. Because I want to ask him about that whole, uh, if I wanted to get into more active trading, decided, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to do a little more work. How many hours should I dedicate to that? And it, does it even make sense with smaller amounts of money in a world where you got computers trading gazillions of shares per second? I'd be interested in what he has to say about it. Yeah, that. I would too. I can give you a pretty good answer for that that I have a high degree of confidence in. The second one first, I wouldn't worry about the supercomputer trading thing as much because you can recognize those patterns. And if you see a good company that's going to be profitable in the future, that's still a good stock. There will be more volatility between I'm, now. I'm, I'm not going to do what I just asked anyway, so okay. I don't know why I would ask. it. There's no chance I'm going to do it. I'm just too lazy. Well, then what? You're kind of describing what I'm doing. Though. I just think because a lot of people probably are. Right. I'm not going okay, to. There's so no I chance I'm going to. I wouldn't worry about the computer trading thing. It just makes things more volatile right now during the time you're going to hold a stock. But eventually, what's going to happen will happen. The The first question, though, I answer from personal experience because I used to buy and sell individual stocks fairly frequently. And it just became very clear to me, unless you are invested in it, probably a poor choice of words, on a... Every single day, a lot of the day. My dad does that. You're going to miss all the ups and downs. By the time I get off the air, the, the, the rumor that, you know, the Sean's little company there has got a super blockbuster and the v- reviews are just orgasmic. I'll be three hours late on that story and the stock will have shot up 30%. So what am I bothering for? Yeah. I like, I'm telling you, the whole don't worry about it, just let it go. And he's, I mean, he's, he's in my brain right there. That's perfect for me. Uh, a good Twice f- a year, I'll check it. A, the best a good action f- is inaction? Yeah, yeah well, you, well, you might as well just name that the Jack Plan. Right. Why are you not the guest? And he's interviewing you. An expert. Once again, the Jack Plan seems like a good idea. A good friend of mine is a, 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 a day trader and rather a successful one. Um, and he's smarter than most of us combined. And extremely up-to-date, like minute-to-minute. And he has a very, very very narrow focus of the stocks he deals with. He has a very specific strategy. So the idea that you're just going to range across the whole of the stock market and pick winners and stuff as you're working your day job, well, good luck. You might get lucky. Who I knows? like the idea of betting on horse races with Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. I think that's a good idea. So far, so good. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Interview that guy again. That interview was fantastic. Lots of those sort of comments on the text line, as that was really good. Just scratched the surface, too. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things we could have talked about. Uh, really a nice fella. Yeah. Jason Moser, is that right? I put my sheet away. Yeah, the Jason Moser. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Um... There are uh, snickerdoodle muffins out there. Is that what kind they are? Yeah, there's one in here, too. He says, patting his belly. I am very close to my all-time highest weight. Mm. Congratulations. Congratulations. 
Uh, as I said yesterday, I've let myself go. A phrase that I'd heard my entire life, I've never really known what it meant, but I do now that I've done it. <laughs> I, Feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> I clearly have... He, he really let himself go. Mm. I've let myself go. <laughs> and it just seems to be... There's an inertia to it that is it's, it's overwhelming me. Yeah. There's an inertia to it. Yeah. And then you get to a point... I've been this way financially before, too. You get to a point where you're in such a hole, you think... My incremental efforts to get out of this are just <laughs> wasted effort. <laughs> wasted. Right. Why don't I just relax and go with the current? <laughs> exactly. Mm. Why don't I just sit on this inner tube and float downstream, down the stream of fat? But yeah. I gotta I gotta get this under control. Yes, or, you or, do. or I'm gonna set a new record. And then you get into like like the Dow was there for a couple of years. New record every day. <laughs> Another new record in Jack's weight. Nice tie-in. A number never seen before. Right. I don't want to be there. Uh, you got to adjust it for inflation. Oh, that's right. That doesn't count for weight. You're actually fat. <laughs> I just, I, I nah. just, I keep, every day I keep, this has got to be relatable for some people. Every day I, I keep thinking I got to summon some sort of dread or worry or sense of urgency. That's what I need. A sense of urgency about this. But You're always, ruining my next muffin. But then I see a muffin or something and I eat it and I think, ah, tomorrow I'll have a sense of urgency. Oh, well, <laughs> well that's... By definition, not one. Right. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump in Hanoi, joyous crowds greeting him. Rob Rosenstein's comments about government transparency raising some eyebrows and more on the Robert Kraft bust. Coming up minutes from now. Oh, I'll have a sense of urgency tomorrow. Maybe one of the funniest (laughs) things I've ever heard. (laughs) I live that every day. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Quick things before the news. If two teenage girls hosted this show, they probably wouldn't talk about being fat as much as you two guys do. Which I find funny. That's a pretty good shot. <laughs> and this, did you see that a former CBO director, Congressional Budget Office director, these are the people that figure out what stuff's going to cost, and they're in theory nonpartisan, which is often laughable, but in theory they are. Um, former, I like to laugh. Former CBO director said the new Green Deal would cost $93 trillion. More than the total economic output of the Earth, according to some. Yeah, reported in Bloomberg yesterday. Bloomberg News. Bloomberg. Well, Bloomberg's one of the guys who came out and said, why are we talking about this? Open up another credit card. (laughs) $93 trillion. That's one of the things we haven't gotten to today. There's absolutely priceless tape of AOC saying she's in charge now. She's the boss. And she's tired of people saying it can't be done. She is a twit. I'm sorry. I've done, with all due respect to her media savvy and the rest of it, she is a dangerous halfwit. She to be to be condemned. Well, we'll have to play that because I agreed with her. I thought, yeah, you are. You're right. Way to acknowledge your power. Well, <laughs> yes. In the land of the yeah. stupid, she is leading the parade. Well, I think what she would say, in the land of, and this is the same thing Trump ran on, in the land of politicians who talk about stuff all the time but never do anything, I'm actually <clears throat> proposing doing something. So as long as I'm the only one proposing doing something, I'm the boss. Right. That makes perfectly good sense it's to an me. an interesting point. I hate her plan. The something but... she's proposing is suicide. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I have no disagreement there. All right. That's the same thing. Trump said about politicians, all they do is talk about stuff they never actually do anything. Right. 
Uh, let's get the news now, Marsha Phillips. Well, right now you got hundreds of people gathering outside a luxury hotel in Hanoi hoping to get at least a glimpse of President Trump. This 29-year-old man said this is the second U.S. president he's seen. Uh, some years ago, I saw Mr. Obama, and this time I'm very happy because Mr. Trump come to Vietnam. Welcome, Mr. Trump! You know, the friendly, welcoming Vietnamese. Donald Trump would have made that trip in his 20s, except he had bone spurs in his heel. Painful condition, Jack. It's not funny. President landing in Vietnam's capital today ahead of the second summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The summit follow-up to that meeting in Singapore in June is meant to work toward the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula and certain security guarantees. So they'll start kicking that off here in the next uh, probably 12 to 24 hours. You're going to have a dinner first and then sit down for two days of meetings. Marshall, you mentioned uh, yesterday, I think it was, that you have a friend who is uh, distressed, having served in Vietnam, yes. that the president is over there making nice and that yes. there are friends. And, I, you know, I absolutely have no business telling anybody how they should feel having experienced what he experienced. But it does occur to me that our real involvement in <clears throat> Vietnam ended 45 years ago. Sure. And so it's it's very much like, you know, 1910 was to the end of uh, World War II, or, or I suppose more accurately, 1990 was to the end of World War II. Right. Ho Chi Minh um, has been dead for quite some time. Yeah, and, and, and uh, we managed to repair our relationship with Japan pretty thoroughly in those 45 years, and I, that's just the way of the world. And, and one of, it's one of the reasons that war is so terrible Often it is a response to a situation that will be very, very different a few years down the line. Yeah, right. it is wild to think we were bombing the bejesus right. out of those those places, and now look at it. And listen, that's not some sort of uh, you know pie in the sky unicornian pronouncement about war. I understand the Cold War and the rest of it, but a lot of time's gone by. Indeed, it has. Sure, the rallying cry for many Americans has been the notion of transparency in government. But to ask Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, government transparency, he says, is not always a good thing. There's a knee-jerk reaction to suggest that we should be transparent about what we do in government. But there are a lot of reasons not to be transparent about what we do in government. Just because the government collects information doesn't mean that information is accurate. And it can be really misleading if you're overly transparent about information that the government collects. He did the worst job you possibly could of explaining what he's talking about. Did he go on to do any better after that? Because well, that was terrible. He's talking about the Mueller report coming right. out. And if there are no charges, <laughs> then you shouldn't release all the information you gathered. That's the way it works. If the if the police come after you, right. the DA or whoever's coming after you, and they think you did something, they gather a bunch of information. If they decide, no, he's, he's not guilty of anything, we're not even going to charge him with anything, they don't release all that information to the public. Having obtained your enti- the entirety of your financial records, all of your taxes, your web searches, maybe your friends. To, maybe you're recording your phone call. Right. Your, your friends, your associates, having trailed you for weeks, perhaps, looking for evidence. Right. And then decided, wow, this is an innocent man. You think that all of that private information should be disclosed to the general public just because at one point somebody was suspicious? That's a nightmarish possibility. Right. It's and, terrible. And nobody, conservatives or liberals, want to live in a right. world where that happens. He did a terrible... That is not government transparency. Right. That's protecting citizens against their government. Right. He, did, he couldn't have done a worse job of laying that argument out. Now, the other part of that is, yes. 
Comey did do that when they accused Hillary. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Adam Schiff and others are making the argument that you can do it here. New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft visited a massage parlor for sex on the day of the AFC Championship game. That this is, his story is getting more interesting, oh, his lifestyle. That is according to the prosecutors in Florida, who yesterday formally charged the 77-year-old billionaire with sol- uh, soliciting prostitution in Palm Beach County. Hours before they played their game in Kansas City, he's in Florida... At kind of a seedy, what people are calling a rub and tug, um, hours before. And they've got the video, and I'm not going to describe the video because they get into some graphic detail of what's going on there. But he's, he was there for 11 minutes. Masseuse greets him with a hug. They smile. They do their thing. Then he gets dressed. They hug again, and she smiles. He appears to hand her some 